This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. This holiday season, it's all about the bedroom. And Casper's Black Friday sale has up to 30% off everything you need to make your bedroom your happy place. Only Casper mattresses are made with 86 supportive gel pods to align your spine and eliminate aches and pains. And Casper bed frames are made from the highest quality materials. Give the gift of a better bedroom. Save up to 30% during Casper's Black Friday sale on now at Casper.com. Terms and conditions apply. See Casper.com slash terms for more details. Welcome to Raptors Weekly Extra. My name is Zarar. I'm joined today by Brian Florentin from Nets Daily. Uh, Brian is a Nets blogger for the Nets Daily website uh, and will give us an inside view or at least some sort of view on the Nets, uh, who the Raptors will face in their first round matchup. Uh, and if, the, if if all goes well against the Nets, the Raptors will move on to face the Celtics. But let's not let's not get ahead ahead of ourselves here, Brian. Uh, shall we? Nah, one at a time. One at a time. One at a time. So so let's get right into it and let's talk about the bubble. What were the Nets' to do list entering the bubble, and have they accomplished it, or how how have they done in the bubble? Have they achieved what they set out to do in this uh, in this condensed uh, second phase of the NBA schedule? Yeah. When the Nets first came into the bubble, the main job was clinching the playoff seed, whether it be seven or eight. And as they've been here, they've really managed to exceed every expectation known to man. They've looked fantastic. They pulled off arguably their best win of the season against the Clippers on Sunday. And they've really been able to develop an identity and and a really great sense of momentum as they come into the playoffs. And I think... I think if, if they had their choice, I think they would have preferred the seven because it, it would have shown that they've been playing well. So that being able to accomplish the seven seed and really just sort of like get a feel for what the roster is going to look like going into the future when all of the big pieces come back next year. This bubble experience has really been a great sort of like godsend for Jock Vaughn and Nets management as far as their development strategies, who the roster is going to like, what the roster is going to shake out to be in the future. And just and just a sense of and just and just a feel as to what they're going to do in the first round series. Is this found money for the Nets? Like, did they or do they actually have any expectations of progressing? Or is this like, oh, my God, we made the playoffs like a great season. We'll come back next year where everybody's fully healthy. What's the feeling like uh, around the Nets? Yeah, I think it's found money because I think going into the bubble, especially when Spencer Dinwiddie had to had to depart due to COVID. I think that the team was just hoping that, okay, if, if you get into the playoffs, great. We get a chance to really just like shake out to see, like have some roster development, see what the young guys are able to do and go from there. So just this entire experience has been found money for them. And I think especially for someone like Jock Vaughn, who's coaching for a head coach, who's, who's coaching for like a permanent job as far as like being the next coach or somewhere else if the opportunity presents itself. This experience has been like really wonderful for him as well because he's really gotten to really get intimate with roster. He's been successful. He's gaining that national notoriety. So as far as the franchise go, everything has been beyond their wildest dreams. 
Hey man, I'm a KU fan, so I've been following Jacques Vaughn for uh, for a long time, uh, and it's good to see him doing well. So, so the last couple times the the Raptors have played the Nets, uh, I remember one year uh, the Raptors were the higher seed, uh, and then we faced the Nets and we lost. And heading into that uh, series, uh, there was definitely a sense that, that the Nets wanted to play the Raptors, even though they had done poorly against them in the regular season or, or whatever it, it was during the regular season. There was there was a almost a desire to face the Raptors and specifically target them. Do the Nets feel that this matchup against the Raptors is something that they wanted, and and is this something that that, that they're looking to exploit? I think that. I, I think if they had their choice between a fully healthy Milwaukee or a Toronto team, I think that their natural inclination is to go with, with the team they think is less sort of dangerous for them because I think Milwaukee is probably my my early favorite to win the championship this year. So I think that between those two options, I think they would prefer the Raptors, but I think the Raptors present a lot of incredible challenges for the Nets at the same time. So I don't think they're going to walk into it with a feeling of, oh, we're going to knock them out. Or even just like an expectation that, oh, this is what we want as compared to when it was 2014, when the Nets sort of had that feeling of, okay, we want these guys, we think we, we could take them out. And then the game seven happened, and then they were able to advance into the second round that year. Well answered. I mean, that, that's a difficult question to answer without dissing the Raptors, but I think uh, you've done well there. Yeah. I, and, I, and I think that, you know, I think especially with. Going into it, I'll speak for myself in this instance. I wasn't really sure how the team would really be able to adapt without Kawhi being there as that lead option and then really having Kyle be the guy and then watching Pascal continue to develop, OG being there, Serge, Marcus Gasol, all of these guys. I think it really speaks to like their success this year really speaks to just how great of an organization they are when it comes to the nurse. Lowry being a Hall of Famer, all of these great things that I think we sort of took for granted in the States about the Raptors, watching them this year and seeing how they've been able to really just like keep the party going, even without losing a top five player in basketball. It really speaks to how well run the organization is and how sort of like well, well designed, well coached and well crafted that, that, that team is from top to bottom. What is the style of basketball that the Nets generally expect to play with their starting five? Uh, How would you classify this team? Like, what what is their like? If you had to describe their personality, if you will, how would that how would that translate? I would say one thing about them going it's a it's a little bit different from when Kenny Atkinson was there. I think that the offense is more sort of disciplined now, and then they do a better job of hunting shots. One thing I think is important to sort of to sort of differentiate between the two head coaches is that the Nets still take a ton of three pointers, but they're a little bit more open to, to taking open mid range jumpers as they present themselves. One thing that Nets fans really had a had a complaint about with Kenny Atkinson was that the team didn't really have much of a style on offense beyond just throwing up three pointers. So they would really like rush into offense and not really hunt out good opportunities as they present themselves. And I think that with John Vaughn, they've been really more organized and they're they're getting better shots. Guys like Joe Harris, who I thought really needed, especially with Joe Harris as an example, one thing with him that I was really agitating for the year was having him be more involved in the offense. And he's been doing so more now. Like he's driving to the rim more often. He's getting these open looks and he's really excelling in that great fashion. And I think that someone like him, him, him getting that opportunity to really expand his offensive repertoire is really going to be beneficial for the Nets now and in the future. Uh, so, so the Nets, uh... Oh, sorry. I don't know what happened there. Uh, 
So, the, so sorry, let me, let me do that again. So the Nets rank uh, 22nd in the league in um, offensive efficiency. Their uh, O rating is uh, 108.7. Not great, below par uh, for sure. But what what is the main threat? Like if you ha- if you had to think about, uh, you know, this is your go to play coming out of a timeout. Who are your go to options that that Jacques Vaughn would go to? Like like w- w- what are the top three plays? I guess that that the Nets would prefer to run when they got the ball and need a score. Um, one thing now, Karis Levert, he's really the the bubble experience has really been able to give him the opportunity to be like the start to be to be the start of the team as far as like being the lead option. Like they they run a good amount of pick and roll. He and Jared Allen are really good are really good pairing. And one thing about him is that Harris really does a good job of driving to the basket. So if the Nets are really in need of a big crunch time bucket, they can they can run a pick and roll with him and and Jared Allen. They use Rody Krugs at center now, so that way they have a little bit more shooting. And when they go smaller against certain teams. Like having those shooters and, ha- and having that ability to spread out really allows for more sort of room for Levert to drive to the basket. He can like he, he he's been he's been more in the mid post, and I think that's a result of being around Kevin Durant and really picking up from him. So Levert has really been able to really expand his game throughout the process. And if they need a good and if they need a big time bucket, they can go to him. Is is there a particular guy there, especially looking to step up during this postseason? Like you mentioned, Levert, and obviously they have Tyler Johnson at the point guard. Like, is is there one guy that you're looking at? Is that this this could be the X factor, the danger man that could maybe steal us a game in the series? Hmm. I think I think someone who who, who really needs like who will be an X factor as far as stepping up might be Jared Allen. Cause I'm thinking back to last season in, in the series against the 76ers, Allen was really overpowered by Joel Embiid pretty much every time he was out there. And one big thing with him is that he wasn't really strong enough to handle Embiid. And I think that this year, this, this year, I think this series presents an opportunity for him to really develop himself even further. Sort of atone for lack of a better term for last season. And I think position himself to be the full-time starter going forward. Because one mm-hmm. thing that, like part of the Nets' big push last summer when they had all the big free agents was getting DeAndre Jordan. And DJ's sort of stated purpose was to sort of be that beefy center for guys like Embiid and Gasol when, when the opportunity came up. But Jordan wasn't really that great as a, as a net this year. I felt like the numbers weren't bad, but I felt that it was a little bit, I guess, I guess the, the numbers sort of overstated what he brought to the table for the Nets this year. So having someone like Allen, and especially considering that, that the Nets are a small team going into, going into the postseason series, he'll be someone that's going to have to be out there for like a really long time. He'll have to avoid getting into fouls because he sometimes does commit bad fouls. So the Nets are going to need him to be out there for 30 plus every night. Okay. Is, is there a matchup that you think you have an advantage on, a positional matchup or a player matchup that the, that the Nets might say, you know, we, we could probably get something here? And, and on the flip side, is there a matchup that you guys are particularly maybe terrified about? Hmm. I think one thing one thing I'm, I'm thinking about is I wonder how the Nets are really going to be able to handle Siakam. Um, I think that especially and, and, and watching him from afar, I've really seen that he's been able to really just develop into that really go to franchise player for you guys. Like he can score, he can handle, he can do all of these things well. And a Rody Kuruks is probably going to draw is going to draw the assignment for him. And I think that that's where the Raptors can really sort of like exploit that 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 matchup to full capacity. 
And for the net side, they've been playing Levert at point recently, so I wonder if he'll be able if he'll be assigned to Lowry. I I'm thinking that might be really the matchup of the series, and wondering how like how Levert is going to handle point guard and really being the number one person because last year. Although he was great against the Sixers, he was a second tier. He, he was the number two option with Russell. So him being the lead man in full capacity this time around, I'm wondering how he's going to adjust to that pressure. Because it's a different level of expectation when you're the second person to, to watch for on the team as compared to being like, you know, the option that, that, that championship level teams game plan against. And when the Raptors play the Celtics a little, their backcourt definitely struggled against uh, the Celtics size. Uh, a, a lot of the passes that were, were, you know, used to be simple became complicated against the Celtics just because of the length and the, the amount of pressure they put, you know, in the point to wing area or, you know, just kind of up top that, 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 that life definitely was made difficult. So Levert being at 6'6", guarding Lowry, that, that, that has to be intriguing for you guys because that could disrupt the, the source of the Raptors offense and, and, and really put some early pressure on Toronto. Absolutely. And I think that especially with Lowry, he's someone that that I think has really been able to be that leader pretty much for a good part of a decade now. And he's been he's really been able to keep that offense humming and he can score. He can drive to the basket. He's a great distributor. He does all of these great things. So having Levert be that initial matchup and then Tyler Johnson being that change of pace and scoring option off the bench. I think that the Nets will try to keep Lowry as busy as possible. So that way he doesn't get too comfortable on offense running, running things for you guys. All right, man. Uh, Let's go through uh, some of the Nets roster and uh, let's basically talk about, uh, you know, a scouting report for each player because a lot of Raptor fans maybe have not heard of the Nets as much as they have heard of uh, other teams. Uh, And uh, so so I'll just just give you a couple of names. Uh, I'll just give you some names and you burst out, you know, in 30 seconds, what somebody who may not have seen this player a lot needs to know about them, both from a strengths perspective and weaknesses perspective. How's that sound? All right, man. Let's start with Tyler Johnson. Ha, scoring option off the bench. He was someone that the Nets brought in late. A, a, a fun fact about him is that the Nets wanted to bring him back in in 2016. They signed him to the big offer sheet, but the heat matched. So it's almost like full circle for Johnson being a net. Um, on the court, he's a really good scorer. Like he's a good he's, he's a good scoring option off the bench. He's a capable ball handler, and he keeps things running well. I think that I think his defense. Eh, I'm not a big fan of it. So I think that there's an opportunity for Lowry and Fred Van Vliet to really get to work on him on that front. Yeah. Levert. Ah, the he's someone that's gonna be he's and my and my thing my thing with him is that I think that he'll be the third star going forward for the Nets. And I think that this opportunity of being the lead man has really been beneficial for him. He struggled early in the year and he he did he did wind up missing a good amount of action. And then when the Nets came back, everything has sort of changed up when Kyrie Irving went down again. And now that he's in full control of the offense, we're really getting to see his playmaking develop. He's 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 a, he's a good ball handler, good scorer, a lot like more strength than he than 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 than, than it appears. He does a lot of good things well for the team, and he's someone that I think his size would be very disruptive. I think that I think I think turnovers are a thing with him, so I, I would be I'll be sort of like mindful of that as far as attacking him and putting pressure on him. Mm-hmm. And the Raptors are excellent at, at pressuring guards into turnovers, so mm-hmm. uh, th- th- that that could swing the Raptors' way. Uh, how about Joe Harris? 
Ah, he is someone that is developing more and more on offense each day. We know he's a sharpshooter, and, and this is his third straight year above 40% from three. And one thing I've liked about him more in the bubble is that he's attacking the basket more often. He's, he's, he's handling the ball a little bit more. And I think that he, I think that he'll be a good second option for the team. And I think that especially he, he, he allows for like a lot of like, he allows for a lot of great three-point shooting. He's very capable on that front, and I think that he's getting better and better. One thing on the weakness side is that hmm, I wouldn't even say so. Matter of fact, I'll keep I'll keep on the strength for him. He, he um he's been good on like he's been a good rebounder for the team as well. Like he's he's taken on that increased responsibility as the team is downsized. So I think he'll have to really be sort of like key on the glass to help sort of manage possessions for the Nets. Yeah. How about Lance Thomas? Huh, Lance Thomas, uh, one of our bubble guys. Originally, that was supposed to be Michael Beasley's spot, but Beasley wound up getting diagnosed with COVID, so he wasn't able to join the team. Lance Thomas, I don't, I don't really envision him playing much in this series. He's he's extra size for an undersized team. He can shoot a little bit. I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I think that if he does get under the court, like he won't be out there for. Yeah. Uh, I think you talked a little bit about Jared Allen, but, but talk talk a little bit about what what gets Jared Allen into trouble. Sometimes he he commits a. I think as a sensor, like he he he, he tends to he, he he can test pretty much every shot by the rim, and when you contest everything. And it, it sometimes depends on the whistle you get. So some of the fouls he gets, I think, are kind of 50-50 going each way. But I think that foul trouble is the thing that sort of gets him jammed up. One thing I think for him is that he'll have to really be able to be on top of the boards and control the defensive glass because he'll be going he'll be going going up against Gasol and Ibaka. He's a decent passer. I think his passing has gotten better throughout the year, and I think he's pretty capable in that way. He's tr- like he shoots corner threes, but he's not someone that's going to be like a Gasol who can shoot above the break and really just like be that offensive fulcrum in that fashion. Didn't Woody decided not to go into the bubble because he got diagnosed? Like he wanted to go in, but he had another positive test, so he decided not to join. The, he decided not to go into the bubble with the team. Let's go to Roddy Kuroks. Yeah, Roddy Kuroks, the Nets. Um, one thing, one thing that that they've been doing in the bubble is that they've been playing him at center. He's gotten a rave reviews from the team. He can space the floor a little bit. He can handle a little bit. He's a lot more feisty than I think than I think you would notice from the outside looking in. One thing about him last year is that he got into a little tussle with the Sixers, so he does provide that sort of toughness from from the front court position and i think that he'll be someone that that's out there a lot like i think he'll really be the big matchup with siakam on the other side so he'll be someone that that's really going to be paying a close close attention to tlc he's 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 been very capable as well he's one of these sort of like marks administration's big project big success projects as far as as far as development goes he's really gotten more and more responsibilities and he's really done a good job of adjusting to brooklyn and really being that good bench option for the nets so he's someone that the team is looking to keep an eye on in the future as well. So, so there is a, you mentioned the guy, Sean Marks. Uh, there is a Raptors connection there, right? I mean, uh, he, he did used to play for the Raptors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sean, bounce, Sean bounced around for a good a bit. I remember he played for the Pelicans as well. So, he, so he's a very well-traveled individual. So uh, obviously this season is kind of like a bridge season before you guys get to, uh, you know, Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving and, and, and that showdown. So, I mean, uh, it, it, it's got to feel good as a Nets fan that you have this like playoff series coming up. And then even if things go south here, you have a you have, a, you know, an amazing year to look forward to at least next next year. 
Absolutely. And I think that the bubble experience has really sort of like boosted Nets fans sort of morale about the team, because one thing throughout the year I sense was a lot of disappointment. Even when Irving was out, there were games that they gave away. They didn't look that great on various instances. And and it all culminated with the surprise exit of Atkinson. And then from there, I think that Jock Vaughn, even before the even before the season closed down, they got the win against the Lakers that last night out. And then th- this bubble experience has really sort of brought a sense of, a sense of togetherness and unity. And I think that for, for fans, it's been such a great experience. It's been such a sub- surprising experience. And and I think it also sort of like culminated in that Clippers win on Sunday night because you you're going up against a championship team that pretty much had everyone except Paul George, but Kawhi did play that fourth quarter and they were able to really dominate early when the Clippers made their run. The Nets punched back and they kept themselves together. They didn't, they didn't fall apart in the third quarter like they sometimes did for years. So I think that the team has a lot more resilience. I think that the, the fans love the players in the team. They're all enjoyable. They're all very fun. Nets Twitter is very, like they've been, they've been really enjoying themselves and it's been a good experience for them. So this season, it started off rocky because the Nets were in China with, with the Lakers when everything first went down with the chaos over there as far as the protests and all those kind of things. And then it's been a, it's been injury filled. So just being able to get into the playoffs and be able to at least be competitive for a few games, I think is a great success and a surprise that a lot of us may not have seen coming in like late December. I, I got to ask you a, a little bit about the uh, head coaching ser- uh, search. Uh, you saw the article by uh, Shams on The Athletic the other day. And, uh, you know, he, he mentioned that, that that the Nets will look for, will start a head coaching search. And, you know, and some of the names being dropped there are Jason Kidd, uh, Udoka, you got Ty Lu, you got uh, Jeff Van Gundy, a personal favorite of mine who has never really coached since, uh, since, uh, since his next days. Uh, what are your feelings towards towards that? Like, who, who do you, who, who's your preferred candidate right now? Like, what what's what's your gut telling you? I think I my gut right now prefers Jock Vaughn. I think that having Vaughn here would really just be a reward for like for that, for for doing that good work, really maintaining the stability of the team when everything was going to chaos back when they fired Atkinson earlier this year. I think Jock Vaughn has really done a good job with a bad hand, and he's really been able to earn the trust of the players. They all have good rapport with him, and they're all they they all speak highly of him. The fans speak highly of him. I think that it would be a great reward for him. Ty Lu, yeah. I, I think if Vaughn doesn't get hired permanently, I feel like they might go with Ty Lu because Ty has that championship experience. He did have that experience. He did have he did work with Kyrie, of course. And I do wonder what their relationship is like these days. Because I remember when Irving got to Boston, he was saying, Oh, like Brad Stevens was his more complicated, complex coach as compared to what he had before. And I, I sort of interpreted that as almost like a sort of like knock on Ty Lue. So I wonder how their relationship is. Although I did see reports that, that Kyrie is is someone that is that, that may be leaning towards him. So he's someone to keep an eye on. Jason Kidd, it's, it's it's I think it's complicated because when when Kidd, when Kidd was here back in 2014, he tried to pull off that coup to get Billy King out of here, and then it didn't work, and then they and then he went off to Milwaukee, and even and it's 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 more complicated now because everyone that was there at the time is gone. Brett Yormark is gone. Billy King is gone. Mikhail Prokhorov is gone. 
it's an entirely different franchise than from what he left it in 2014. So I think that may help him if, if the Nets were into look, really looking into hiring him back as the head coach. I do wonder, because I'm thinking about how his experience in Milwaukee was as far as like really getting the most out of Giannis, because he, although Giannis was very good under him, Mike Budenholzer unlocked everything imaginable about him, as, as well as Chris Middleton and, and everyone else over there. So I do wonder how his fit is going gonna, is gonna to go as far as like getting KD all the way back up to speed utilizing Levert if he's still here, maximizing Irving, all of these things. I wonder how that's going to look. All right, Brian, thank you for that that amazing uh, wrap-up of the net, of the Nets. Uh, in less than 30 minutes, man, in less than 25 minutes, I think we've covered the, the key aspects of it. But I got to ask you before you go, man, prediction. Uh, I'm going to go Raps in six. I think the Nets I think the Nets will squeeze out a game or two, probably won by a buzzer beater. But I think that Toronto has a, has a talent and experience advantage. So I think that they'll be able to sort of like outlast, next, in, outlast the Nets in a good six games. Six games, a long series uh, in, in, in a 2-7 against the defending champs. Uh, it's a lot of confidence there. Me personally, I, I'm so loft to go with like short series because crazy things always tend to happen. So I always tend to go on the longer side because I always think that, you know, there may be one game where like a star player really has like one of those career performances. And then one of those fluky games that pop up in every series where you think that someone you think that you may be out of it, but you, but you sort of steal one late. So I think the Nets have enough energy just to grab like two games, I'd say. But I think the Raptors, I think the Raptors talent will sort of like win out in the end. Yeah, I'm going to make a counter prediction and say uh, Raps in four, and uh, and yeah, and 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 the reason for that is is just the Raptors defensively are able to elevate their games uh, very significantly, very quickly, and, and like they, they can really turn the game around if their defense just has like a six or seven minute stretch where they're like locked in. And and when I, when I look at the look at the Nets and whenever I've seen them play, they really do struggle to go to a particular scorer to get their points, especially with uh, Dinwiddie not there. Uh, I just don't see who can actually create uh, when you're under duress uh, by the Raptors' defense. And I think that that w- they may stay close uh, just because of all the things you mentioned. But I think in terms of actually closing out games, I think they might struggle to score against a locked-in Raptors defense. Hmm, I can see that. And and, and it's definitely like that, 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 that's, that's sort of energy and intensity always picks up. And for a team that's great already on defense, like Toronto's, I think they're, I think they're first in defensive rating this year, like definitely top five, somewhere around there. And I think that as they sort of ratchet it up, it's going to be a great challenge, especially for Levert and sort of like being able to really adjust and go up against an elite defense like that. So it's really going to be fun to watch. Brian, thank you for joining us. You can follow Brian at BusyXP on Twitter, uh, and you can read his work on Nets Daily. Brian, thank you very much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you, you taking the time to reach out to me. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. 
switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.